vote because it shows you care. It shows you care about others, that you're considerate of others. It shows you care about your community. It shows you care about your country. Uh, y tu gente, you know? And so I think it's just a reflection of the kind of person that you are to fulfill your civic responsibility. But also I think it's a reflection of you as a human being that you're considerate of others and that you're willing to, to make these efforts to make life better for others as well. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. We want to go beyond listening. We're ready to speak up. So join me in conversation every week as I meet Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. As you know, a podcast is a journey, and I would love for you to follow this one. So join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx and reach out. You can also find out more at our website at wearelandnekis.com. Daniel Garza, thank you so much for being with me today. Andrea, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And I mean, this is a little different than what we're used to. I've already had the pleasure of being able to get to know you these last few weeks where we've been having debates with Congressman Luis Gutierrez. I kind of just wanted to get to know you beyond that, who you are and how you grew up. And I know a little bit about you already, but I know audiences would like to know who Daniel Garza is beyond the debate. Well, thank so, you. I appreciate that. I know that uh, our discussions have been a little bit passionate and yeah. obviously we express our differences, but uh, folks need to know that I have tremendous respect for you and, of course, Jose and, and Congressman Luis Gutierrez. Part of what is really cool about the debate is there's not a lot out there where we're where we get to see two different points of view come together and have conversations about the most pressing issues that are happening right now in the country. And there's a lot. There's We're always trying to choose something, pick, stick to one topic, because we could be talking about endless things of what's happening right now. And, yeah. no, 2020 is... A, quite a year so far. No, you're absolutely right. And I fully recognize that uh, Congressman Gutierrez represents millions of Latinos in, in his viewpoint. But I also represent uh, millions of Latinos with my viewpoints and perspectives and different ideas. And I, I think that's what enriches the Latino community. So my parents were born in, in their homes in a small uh, población that, uh, uh, that goes by the name of Garza Gonzalez, Nuevo León, Mexico. Uh, it's near the border, uh, about an hour and a half away from McAllen, Texas, where I live now. Uh, my parents uh, came to America as farm workers back in uh, the, the early 60s. I was born in 68 in California. And they pick grapes is what they did. And then they'd go back to Mexico for four or five months out of the year. And that's where we, you know, spend our winters. Uh, when I was about three years old, we moved to the Yakima Valley of the state of Washington, uh, continued as farm workers up until I was about 19 years of age. Uh, and we picked apples, pears, peaches, uh, you name it, cherries, everything under the sun. And we'd go often to Nebraska, uh, to the Nebraska Panhandle in Scotts Bluff and Alliance, Nebraska. Uh, and hold sugar beets as migrant farm workers. Uh, so that was my youth growing up, uh, a farm worker. I live in Brownsville, Texas right now. I'm usually in D.C., but right now I'm in Brownsville, Texas. So I know exactly what you're talking about. My mom is from Monterrey, Nuevo León, and I have family over there as well. The interesting dynamic of kind of crossing the border and as daughter of immigrants, it's it's finding a way to live. So 
Yeah. I've always been going to Honduras, Mexico, right at the border. So it's kind of living the life here in the United States, but never forgetting where we come from. I, I think that there's a certain beauty in that. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, 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 millions of Latinos who couldn't relate to our story, right, of this bicultural, binational, right. um, bilingual world that we step in and out of and sometimes fully operate in uh, simultaneously. Uh, I think it, it um, I'm proud of that. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm proud that my parents uh, had that um, aspiration to improve their lives and, you know, set out, you know, uh, there's a there's a song I, I like to repeat sometimes by Woody Guthrie. He was talking about the Jode family and the Grapes of Wrath. And he says uh, they came up to the mountaintop and it looked like the promised land, a rich green valley with a river running through it. There was work for every single hand, they thought. There was work for every single hand. I think that's how my parents saw America, as the promised land where they could come and work and work hard, right, and achieve their dreams and their aspirations and, and improve their lives for their children. And I saw them do that, sacrifice and, and be resilient and persistent. You know, on top of all the indignities that they faced, you know, for being farm workers and um, monolingual, mm -hmm. no license, no diploma, yeah, had a fourth grade education, they were able to actually be successful. They, they uh, after about 25 years of working in the fields, they took their money, Andrea, and, and, and they risked it on a small business. And we were on the, our way to, you know, American middle class. And uh, it was hard, though. You know, at 17, right. I, I was forced to drop out of high school uh, because of the farm work. Um, and I, just, I couldn't keep up. And so... Um, because, you know, I've always felt that public school was a one-size-fits-all. It didn't accommodate for somebody like me, and it spit me right out. And so I had to overcome that massive barrier. And um, 17 years later, I'm working at the White House for the most powerful person in the world. And I think that's a testament to our parents and their resilience and their, and their perseverance and, um, and, and how they modeled the way for us to succeed in America. There's this power in, in your parents coming here and, like, fighting for it. And I kind of want to talk about why you had to, which is crazy to me, and you can tell the privilege that I was born into that I kind of, or that I grew up with, where I never even had to worry about leaving school to yeah. be helping my parents out. So can you talk to me a little bit about that, about having to quit high school to help your parents out in the field? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, life uh, as a farm worker was, we would... Uh, help our parents out in the fields and in the orchards, given the time of the year, um, by working alongside them every other day. Um, if it was asparagus, you'd have to go in the mornings and, and then, you know, arrive late at school. Uh, if it was apples, pears, peaches, um, it was during the school year. So um, because you had to pay the bills, I, you, you helped your parents out. And because I was gone every other day, uh, I was called into uh the counselor's office one day, I remember it clearly uh, with Ms. Diaz. And she said, you know, kid, uh, when you're here, you actually show potential. And she showed me my grades and they were decent. She says, but you're gone every other day. And then sometimes you're gone to Mexico for three months out of the year or to Nebraska for a month or two. And we just can't, you can't continue like that. I says, well, Ms. Diaz, I, I, it's not my choice. I don't get to mm -hmm. decide whether I go or not, right? That decision is made for me. She says, well, I just have to tell you that if you return to Mexico this year, you're going to have to repeat the 10th grade. Um, and I told her, well, what's going to happen next year um, when I have to go back to Mexico? Well, then you'll just keep repeating the 10th grade over and over again. 
that, that was my last day of school. I mean, I, it's just insane that I would be repeating the 10th grade um, because, again, it, this is a system that would not accommodate for somebody who lived a migrant lifestyle. Right. Uh, it, it's changed completely now. Uh, thank goodness, yeah. uh, Andrea. Uh, there are programs and schools are now a little bit more customized. But back then, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm 52. <laughs> so <laughs> this is in the 80s, by the way. Um, th that you, it was either you accommodate or you te adaptas or or te rifas or truenas, como quien dice, right? And so that, that's that's just the way it was yeah. for me. And how did going through all of this influence your decisions on what you your career and how how you started to get involved in what you do now? Well, th thank goodness I had an, an uncle, uh, Horacio Valdez, you know, who, who persuaded me to uh, at least try to get my GED and get back on track. And, and, and thank God that I actually paid attention to him and um, I got it on my first try. And so that, that did kind of set me back on track. I was able to go to college and get a law enforcement career uh, as a police officer in, in the city where I grew up in Toppenish, Washington. But, but it was during that time, Andrea, where, where I saw my community. This, the Toppenish is about 80% Latino now. Um, today is probably like 90%. But uh, back, back when, um, I, I saw the domestic violence, uh, the gang involvement that was going on, the drugs, the drug addiction, the alcoholism, uh, all these things uh, that I never really had to go through. Because you know, even though we were farm workers, we were real tight with family and my cousins that I grew up with, well, we, we didn't have the kind of peer pressure where you made irresponsible personal decisions, right? right. Um, we took care of each other. We looked out for each other. Uh, and we led, we led healthy lifestyles, you know, in, in a Christian family, in a Christian environment. And so uh, so this opened my world up a little bit and says, well, who, who represents Latinos? Um, who, who speaks on their behalf? And, and that's, I think, when I started um, Creciendo Una Conciencia. Uh, and, and, and got involved. And um, at, at some point I ran for city council and I won. And I was the only uh, Latino councilman in a city that was 80% Latino. Uh, so again, it, I think it just, it just um, uh, doors started opening up for me where it started leading me to answer your question uh, towards a life where I would be a, an advocate on behalf of my community because well, nobody else was doing it. The idea of being a Latino and being seen as Republican is almost like you're going against everything that Latinos stand for. Do you identify as a Republican? Well, I'm registered as a Republican. Uh, I identify as a Christian first. <laughs> okay. uh, that I draw my values and my politics from scripture more than anything. Uh, it's, it's probably what influences me the most. Uh, and I don't apologize for that. Uh, but yes, I mean, I do consider myself a conservative in the sense that um, I, I, I fight so that America continues to be that country where anybody from anywhere with nothing can achieve anything. I, I, just, I just think that the free market system with all its imperfections and its barriers uh, provides people um, that best opportunity to succeed and achieve their dreams. What I'm also working on is to remove those barriers. You know, for the Latino community, a lot of us only speak Spanish, 30%. 33% of us don't have a high school diploma, like my parents. Um, in some states, 50% of us don't have a driver's license. 
and then, of course, the issue of citizenship. And uh, so all these things, uh, if we can work together, united as a Latino community to help individuals get their GED like I did and got a second chance, uh, get a high school diploma um, would be incredible or a driver's license or their citizenship. Uh, we do all these things you know, through the Libre Initiative because, you know, I saw in my personal experience that th these things were keeping Latinos from equal opportunity. From, from having a position in the marketplace that, that placed them in, 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 uh, in a place for opportunity and success. And so um, that's the work we do. And of course, open up educational opportunities uh, and equality education for Latinos, um, healthcare, uh, and, and a thriving economy. Because of this, this led you to the Libre Initiative. And so can you tell me a little bit about what the Libre Initiative is and what limited government stands for? Sure, yeah. So. When I was working at the White House for the President of the United States, it was my job to advance the agenda of the president to the Latino community and vice versa, represent the Latino community to the president. And, and that's when I first saw that there were not a lot of Latino organizations, if any, at the national level who were advancing the, a conversation that was so needed about the merits of the free market system and what it does to achieve, to uh, generate prosperity for, 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 and allows everybody to rise in a society of what we call mutual exchange. Mm -hmm. um, and, and nobody also was, was uh, um, I guess, driving that message about uh, how important it is to restrain government and politicians to, to, to um, reverse the centralization of so much power and money and control in the hands of politicians over our lives. So for example, you, know, you talk about limited government. Um, why should bureaucrats and politicians dictate where you send your children to school? You should have that control. You should have that power. And you should have that money to decide where you send your, your, your child. But, you know, if, if we remain quiet, then, of course, they decide that. Why should a politician or, a dem or, or, uh, or I'm sorry, a, a, um, a bureaucrat um, get to decide the kind of health care that you get? Um, you should uh, control the, the kind of custom plans uh, or the kind of uh, level of, of healthcare in the private sector uh, that, that you want. Uh, but right now, th there's an attempt to provide Medicare for all, which calls for the elimination of all private insurance and private healthcare. Th that is insane. Again, I, I, I don't want to cede more power and more money and more control in the hands of government. So when we talk about limited government, it literally is to restrain or reverse the power that we've ceded over to to, to um uh, politicians. And, and we've, I think we've never seen it more clearly during this time of COVID where um, government officials have really reined in the public uh, with, with uh, the kind of um, control we have not seen in the history of the United States. Uh, it's, it's scary. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, um, but some of them have gone overboard. And um, we need to have a vanguard of Latinos who can rise up when power of government has become excessive and is too controlling and is making way too many decisions, usurping the role of the marketplace, usurping the role of the family, and now trying to usurp the role of the church. Where do you think we can strike that balance between government aid and for the people who, who do need that extra push and who do need help, and at the same time, the people who want to be able to, like your parents? That, that, that's a great question. Look, the, the, the way I would separate it is... Um, I think as a society, we should take care of children. 
no excuses. And I don't care if their parents are at fault or, 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 or are or aren't or, or what the circumstances are. Children must be provided for. And if there's a need where the government needs to step in, then let's do that. Elderly, uh, the disabled uh, who may not be able to take care of themselves, even veterans who have suffered injury in, in, in foreign battlefields, the, the, we made promises that we would step up as a government to take care of those folks who cannot take care of themselves. But able-bodied people, uh, we should be focused on generating opportunity, uh, generating, I think, a, a, um, an economy that, that offers equal opportunity to all, that removes barriers for people to position them better in the marketplace so that they can achieve their dreams, not achieve the dreams of a politician or, or the aspirations of, of, of some bureaucrat, um, but their own dreams. And, and Latinos have those dreams and we are capable of extraordinary things. And we have skills and talents that we can leverage in the marketplace, but we need a quality education to do that. And we need a government that is smart, efficient, and lean, uh, that is not stretched out with so many things that you can't focus on those things that we really need uh, for our children and, and those who are truly dependent. Hey guys, if you like our content, make sure to support us by downloading our episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Share with your community and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinx.com. When we're doing the debates, there's there are so many issues we can be talking about right now. And this is more of a personal question, not about what... Republicans are saying not about what Libre Initiative. I, I want to know what you, Daniel, think right now is the most pressing issue that we should be focusing on. And, and what I mean is that would actually go from the ground up. Because I mean, I know COVID is, is a very big issue, but something that would change society or the way we function as a, as a country in the long run. I suppose I agree wholeheartedly with uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, quote when he said, our progress in America can only be as speedy as our progress in education. Um, I don't think there is an equivalent that empowers an individual more than actually having access to a quality education. Um, that positions you for success. Having a free market system then where you can leverage your skills, that, that we focus on redistributing knowledge and equal opportunity as opposed to redistributing somebody else's earned wealth, um, I think is, is, is critical for our country. Um, my second chance was a GED. Without that GED, I, I, you know, I don't know where I'd be right now. And, and because uh, it, it, it unlocked so many opportunities for me. And, and I mean, and I can honestly give testimony um, that my life literally transformed because of that document. And so I, what I would like to see is, you know, empowering parents to choose the kind of education that they see fit for their children so that their children can achieve their dreams. Where did that motivation come from? And, and the reason I'm asking this and I'm curious to know is because there are a lot of kids that go through something similar than you, even now where, yeah. where we have better access to technology and people are working from home, a large percentage of the population is still going through similar troubles. And there are almost two options. You either later on in life decide to keep studying and keep educating yourself, or you kind of take another route. So where did the motivation for you come from to get that GED and keep educating yourself? 
Probably my family, Andrea. Um, I saw mom and dad, uh, Adani Modesta Garza, um, who were farm workers, who had a fourth grade education, um, who didn't have a driver's license, who didn't have a diploma, who had to learn English, and yet they were able to succeed in America. It was that perseverance, right? It was that hard work. And they didn't need, you know, uh, a lot of government uh, systems, if any, to actually make it happen. But then I also saw that my aunts and uncles did exactly the same. They improved their lives. And my cousins, who were in exactly the same condition I was, um, they were able uh, to, to uh, some of them did not finish high school, just, just like, like I didn't. Uh, a lot of them, actually. Uh, very few did. And, and yet, they were able to overcome that, get a GED, and get professional jobs. Uh, look, I, I, entre parentheses, please let me say, uh, I, I value farm workers and the contributions that, that they give to this country. And I don't want to downplay their work mm -hmm. or their labor at all. Um, in, in fact, I want to honor it uh, be, because my parents did it. Um, but if that is not the kind of work that, that gives you fulfillment, uh, we need to give people the resources and remove the barriers that allows them to get out of the fields and the orchards to achieve whatever aspiration they have in a career. And I saw that in my cousins and I saw that in my family, but it was only th through, through perseverance, resilience and hard work and removing those barriers. My parents did learn English. They did get their driver's license. I got my GED and did all those things too. And, and it, it made a, a huge difference. One of the things I that really stuck with me and I noticed that you mentioned you started growing up and through your younger years empezaste a crear una conciencia about what is it that you believed in, what mattered to you, what you wanted to stand for, and that kind of led your career. As a mid 20 year old, and most of our audiences are either millennials or Gen Zers, we're trying to figure that out and I personally find it a little difficult to be able to make those decisions right now in an environment where decisions are being made for me. I'm uh, mm. everything you see on social media and the articles you read, just with how the headlines are written or what is presented to me daily. And it's a little tough to tell you the yeah. truth, to, to know what I stand for and mm. to be well informed enough. And, and if I don't go out looking for that information, it doesn't come to me. What advice would you have for younger people who are trying to figure that out and navigate the media environment at the same time? Uh, the, the one thing I would say, uh, what made it easy for me to um, find my identity was, um, I, I think everybody has to have a code that they live by. Um, and that code for me was scripture. Uh, that code for me was my culture. That code for me was my family and the values that my family espoused. Uh, and so it was easy for me. Look, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be a Republican, being a Latino, growing up in Washington State. Right. Apparently I was supposed to be because, you know, um, I remember uh, actually Cesar Chavez marching through the streets of Toppenish, Washington, uh, calling for a strike, you know, during the Apple boycotts, you know, that we had up there. Um, Tomás Villanueva, who was the UFW president, you know, in the Yakima Valley, you know, who was driving those boycotts and, and on the radio saying that que es el patrón, que es el, el enemigo y que tiene su, su zapato en, en nuestros pescuesos. You know, th these, this kind of rhetoric that I just did not identify with. Um, and, and so uh, if I cannot relate to it, why would I embrace it? And, and, and so what I did was to just basically say, look, I'm going to embrace those ideas and those values 
that were inculcated in me, right? You know, in my growing up, in my experiences, and what I saw actually worked, you know, for my family. And I, I'm going to take control of my own identity, my own voice, uh, with the code that I've been given, right? And and so that that's what I've done. Um, that's what I believe in. That's what I um, have embraced and 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 value. And I'll fight for it and defend it. And so, look. Um, I'm not easily persuaded by emotion or by folks, you know, who have, you know, who want to impose their own aspirations onto me. Uh, I have my own experiences and my own aspirations, and 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 that's what I live by, and that's what I defend. Latinos were because we come from. Well, I come from a conservative background, right? As mm. Latinos, you grow up con yendo a misa todos los domingos. Not that I mean, right. it's not that it's just like a Latino thing, but like also being a woman as a Latina, es muy diferente como te crían de chiquita. Este, yep. Los valores que te inculcan desde chiquita son muy diferentes a el machi the inherent machismo, right? Sure, yep. And being a border child, as you might know, is a whole different world as well. You're, we're a different type of breed is what I always say because no, we don't feel like we're from here nor there. It's very different to be a Latino mm. here than to be a Latino in Florida or be a Latino up north, anywhere. But being at the border, you're so close to, you just crossed the, a little river and you're so close to, you know, <laughs> todo lo que tiene que ver con tu cultura, Mexico, and all of this. And then you cross and, and they start showing you this vocabulary, like female empowerment and um, your rights as a woman and, and speaking a certain way. And it's just, it's a lot. I think, I think uh, yeah. right now, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, you had a, a very different story, a very unique story that I personally haven't heard a lot and, and I'm very inspired by because even through that, you were able to to not let your circumstances dictate your future. What, what That whole riff you're going on is, I think, is tremendously important because I think a lot of, of our young people are going through that right now, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what it comes down to more than anything, Andrea, is um, taking ownership. Mm -hmm. of your country, taking ownership of your destiny. And you can only do that as a free person. If, if you're given, but if you cede that freedom to politicians, then in a way you, you give your will over. And, and that's the last thing you know, that I want to see from my Latino community. I want that diversity of thought and ideas and conversation in the Latino community because it's Latinos owning who they are, taking ownership of their country and saying, I'm going to make a difference based on the values that, 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 you know, that were inculcated in me. And I'm going to take control of my own life by making the right decisions. Look, um, I'm a Christian, and, and, and I, but I also believe that it's not only important to be a good Christian, it's also important to be a good citizen. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I mean, that is something that, that my parents shared with me when, when I was very young, to take pride in being Mexicano, but at the mm -hmm. same time also, you know, be proud of living in America and being American and achieving your American dream, to have that kind of mutual destiny uh, and to be able to partake of both is of tremendous value to us. Right. I, I know I cherish it. And so, but to take ownership of it is a whole different thing. And, I, and that's what we need to do, have that mentalidad. The one thing I would say is just encourage, you know, uh, young people, um, you know, get involved in your community, uh, get involved in the issues that you're passionate about, vote because it shows you care. It shows you care about others, that you're considerate of others. It shows you care about your community. It shows you care about your country. 
uh, y tu gente, you know, and so I think it's just a reflection of the kind of person that you are to fulfill your civic responsibility, but also I think is a reflection of you as a human being, that you're considerate of others, and that you're willing to, to make these efforts to make life better for others as well. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, and you're doing a phenomenal job, and thank you for your willingness to listen and um, You know, this is a world that I think needs so much compassion and understanding, and, and we're the ones to give it. Hey guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to support your communities. It doesn't matter what you choose to advocate for, just go out there and help. Connect and inspire others to do the same. Download our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can stay up to date. And join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx. Reach out and let me know what's important to you. I'd love to hear what you have to say.